the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. Some Pharisees came to test Jesus. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and to be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then, in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. He said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. And this is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. One of my greatest questions when it comes to Scripture is, when does Jesus have time to study for all of his tests? I feel like the guy is constantly being tested. The moment he comes out of the waters of baptism, he finds himself whisked away to the wilderness to be tested by Satan. Then his disciples at every turn are testing his patience. Right? A few weeks ago, it was that question, who among us is the greatest? And today, it's the Pharisees. It's the religious officials who happen to be testing him once more, and there's no hiding it. Mark says this was indeed a test. The test today happens to be the bar exam. This is the Mosaic bar exam, the laws of Moses. Is it okay for a man to divorce his wife? Now, thankfully... Jesus is not caught up in rigid legalism, right? What should we do? But instead, Jesus is more concerned in his response about the intentions behind what it is that we do, what it is that God is doing around us as well, what God intends for the kingdom of God. And that, you see, is really important because this topic of divorce is a difficult one to talk about. It's a difficult one, and it's a common one as well. As pastor, quite often, it's these moments when couples are struggling in their relationships that I am asked to provide pastoral care of some kind, reassurance and hope and prayer. And it's hard to find the right words to speak to such a difficult situation. Some of the best words I've received actually came from a godly play story entitled The Ten Best Ways. It's their version of the Ten Commandments. It's the ten best ways to live. And the seventh way is, says this, do not break your marriage, right? That oftentimes has been translated as do not commit adultery, but for this purpose, it says do not break your marriage. But what I love about the story is not just that framework for that commandment, but the aside that they give as well. This is what it says is the storyteller you can say. You know, 
When people get married, they think they will be married forever. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. I love that. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. Divorce, as you see it, is one of those things that impacts so many of our lives in one way, shape, or form. And because of the diversity and complexity of human relationships, no two divorces are ever the same. Every element is unique. Today, Jesus says that the reason why people oftentimes get divorced is because of hardness of heart. But even something such as that plays out differently in all relationships. The way that people's hearts are hardened is different in each and every relationship. It's complex. Regardless, it's because of this inability to exist together in relationship that those relationships sometimes are broken. God's redemptive story, though, you see, is all about the restoration of relationships. That's what God is up to in the world. Throughout Scripture, it's about restoring all relationships, going all the way back to the perfect relationships there in the garden in the book of Genesis. And the difficulty that we have is that from the span of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, what we miss is those stories of redemption after divorce. We don't get those stories. They're omitted. They don't find themselves in scripture, but we know anecdotally, we know from our lives what those stories can be. The stories of new opportunities, a new lease on life, or perhaps even safety from an abusive relationship. Stories that remind us that there is indeed a purpose behind something like divorce. In fact, in my own life, I am the product of a second marriage from my father. My father divorced his first wife with whom he had my oldest brother, to then have four more boys with my mother. So directly, I see what that redemptive thing looks like as my parents have been happily married for well over 40 years. That's those kinds of stories that we miss. But I think it's important then today that we focus where Jesus focuses too. Notice Jesus isn't focused on what is legal as much as what is intended. And that takes us back to Genesis itself. What are God's intentions in human relationship? Well, God's intentions began as a way of fulfilling that missing need of companionship. Over and over and over, God declares things to be good in creation until things aren't good. And the not-so-good thing today was being alone. It is not good that a person should be alone. So God created companionship community. God created community so that we could not have to live alone anymore. And the intentions therein, then, is to form a community of one. Two become one. One shared flesh. But it didn't take long for even Moses to understand that sometimes things don't work out the way we intend, and therefore allowed for divorces to occur. And these separations are always difficult for all parties involved. And Jesus recognized that too. In fact, I believe firmly that Jesus sees it as a justice issue because it has social and economic ramifications. When people get divorced, it has social and economic ramifications. In the first century, for example, a divorced woman lost all of her rights, even her right to own property or land. In other words, it left her financially destitute. 
And yet, even today, even today, divorce is the number one cause of new poverty in the United States. The number one cause, even above and beyond catastrophic injury without insurance. Even today, divorce has those same ramifications, both socially and economically. And what Jesus does is really interesting. He reminds them that there's other ways to look at it. Jesus subverts this very patriarchal perspective that men and men alone can do this divorce thing and instead lifts up a Hellenistic view where women or men can do that. And that, you see, that subversion is key because then he subverts it even further when he starts to pull in the children, other people who are socially and economically put aside, and he gathers them in too. And he says that these people, these are the ones that I welcome. Do not stop them from coming to me. Because over and over and over, the disciples are using these really rigid boxes, these legalities, to try to keep people away from Jesus. We just saw this a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, the disciples tried to stop a man from performing exorcisms in Jesus' name because they weren't following them. Jesus says, no, don't stop the people. Instead, welcome them in. Stop using legalities to narrow my love, to narrow my welcome. Because Jesus welcomes in those divorcees, those women at the margins of society, those men at the margins of society, the children who had no rights. Our test, I believe, is to step back and to see the bigger picture. What may start is a conversation about what is legally allowed becomes an opportunity for Jesus to expand and expound on what God intends for us in this life and certainly in the kingdom yet to come. And God's intentions from the beginning were for us to find community, relationship, companions in this life. And this includes all people. Maybe it's that community of one that is a married couple. Maybe, indeed, it's beyond that. In fact, it is beyond that. It's the divorcees. It's the children. It's the step-parents and step-children. It's all of those complex relationships that we share. Because at the end of the day, we are all welcome in God's kingdom. Even if in this life some things don't work out the way we want, we know God is present, especially in those moments. Because God's love is not contingent on law. God's love is a gift of grace, of forgiveness, of reconciliation, of restoration of brokenness, and especially broken relationships. Because God's intention for us from the beginning was for us to flourish in relationship with one another and with all of creation. So thanks be to God for all of us who live those complex relationships and may we never feel alone in those.
Thanks be to God. Amen.